How to design your own prosthesis and turn the project into a bonding experience. From civil wars, whistleblower tactics, schematic drafting, and the finer points of Sith adoption, the essential how-to guide for the engineering Jedi. By Jack Daw Cry. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 9. Forge it into the bonds of conviction. To say that waking up again twice on the same day was a mixed bag for Luke Skywalker would be an understatement of the highest order. Granted, waking up to find that his home, and definitely more than just a mentor, Darth Vader was still holding him in the single best hug he'd ever had was a plus. Learning that he would have to be temporarily released from said hug because the medics assigned as his primary physicians needed to examine the stump that he still couldn't quite look at without something getting stuck in his throat was a definite downside, though. Thankfully, Vader had agreed to stay throughout his examination, and even if Luke did feel a bit guilty for taking up so much of the man's time, he'd never been more grateful for Vader's continued presence. The man had grounded him and comforted him, through something that was, in all brutal honesty, scaring Luke half out of his mind. For fuck's sake, he'd lost a hand. And yet, no matter how terrifying that all was, it helped to know that Vader had gone through it too, and seemed to be just fine with that fact now. There was a lot about the man that was obviously not fine, but none of that stuff, thankfully, applied to Luke, and he really did seem to do just fine with his replacement arm. It gave him hope, if nothing else. Hope that this whole thing, while bad, wouldn't be the end of him and that he'd learned to take it in stride. Something that had only been reinforced when he met the two primary medics assigned to his case, two human women, one medic Valent and one medic Pelly, who were apparently experts at caring for and healing severe burns and amputations, respectively. Medic Valent was an older woman with harsh lines in her face and snow-white hair short enough that Luke had to wonder if it was shorn. It gave her a severe and serious look that made Luke just the tiniest bit wary of her, but as soon as she had started to introduce herself, he'd quickly realized that for all she was a very no-nonsense person, she wasn't too uptight about things either, and was happy to interact with him in a relaxed manner, something that he appreciated greatly for the fact that it was harder for him to be unaffected by people while he was sat down in a medical bed and still feeling very weak and vulnerable. Medic Pelly, on the other hand, was a lot younger and far more stoic than her older colleague, and her standard-issue pale gray headscarf only seemed to underscore the sharpness within her own pale eyes. She spoke gently to him, though, and even as her words were clipped and to the point, she was never short with him or dismissed his concerns. All in all, Luke decided that he liked Medic Valent and Pelly pretty quickly, even if they both seemed to be various degrees of wary of Vader. It was pretty understandable, though. Vader was in full fussing mode, and hovered over him like a certified mother hen. Not that Luke was complaining, things were honestly so far out of his comfort zone at the moment that he didn't even know where to begin with anything. It made the fact that Vader was always there to supply him with extra information on how things like phantom pains felt and prostheses worked, something he was incredibly grateful for. Which led him to the situation where he was now, hearing the explanation of what the various options were for him by Medic Pelly or Tylee, as she had told him he was allowed to call her. And while phantom pains may always remain a problem, she explained to him with the help of a schematic on her datapad, they can be mitigated if the neurons have someone to connect to. She sighed out a short breath. 
I will not pretend it would be easy, Engineer Lars. And according to many amputees, the process of acclimating to a new prosthetic limb can be rather painful the first few days or weeks, depending on how adaptable you are. You're still young, though, and that might work to your advantage here. She switched to the next page that showcased various programs for amputees, all aboard the lady according to the header. And there are other people aboard who can help you with the experience, if you so wish. There's veterans and people of all ages who lost a limb in manner similar to your own experience, and I'm sure there are plenty of them who'd be willing to talk to you about their experiences. That actually sounded nice. He didn't know if he'd be able to do it right away, but it definitely sounded nice to be able to talk about it all with all kinds of people, even if it was just to know that there were others going through the same thing like him and Vader. But if there were people aboard with prostheses... I take it they all accepted the neural-connected prostheses if they're still serving? He asked, picking up on a common theme here. Besides, he doubted even the Empire would be willing to squeeze a soldier to the point where they would be allowed to serve with a non-neural-connected prosthesis, if only because of the possibility for a diminished performance that could cost even more in supplies than it gained them. Tylee nodded. It's one of the requirements to remain in service of the Empire. Oh, well, she said as she glanced quickly at Vader. One of the requirements for active combat duty, at the very least. About what he had expected, but it was still good to get confirmation. I see, he said quietly, weighing all the options in his mind. He had no doubt that he wanted a prosthesis, needed one, in fact, if he was to ever continue working on mechanics and all manner of things. And even if it didn't feel quite real yet, he also knew that the sooner he made a decision on all this, the better. It was a medical procedure, after all. He sighed. And... Are there any risks to all this? A neural-connected prosthesis sounded good, almost too good to be true, and a part of him instinctively raised its hackles at the possibility of deception in it all. Even as he rationally knew that Vader would have never allowed or suggested this before Tylee did if there was deception at work. A few, Tylee admitted without hesitation. There are, of course, the usual risks of complications associated with any surgery— but seeing as we already operated on you once, we know it to expect of your reactions to various factors. That isn't even accounting for the fact that it won't be an emergency procedure this time. Further risks include potential nerve damage, either during the surgery or at any point afterwards, that may require either minor back-to-treatment or full submersion, depending on the severity of the damage. The usual damage is much more localized to the ports themselves, though, and there has been extensive research into diminishing such risks and treating such injuries. She shook her head as she pulled up another file on her datapad, loaded with statistics of all kinds. There is the small possibility that your body rejects the ports as well, in which case it could be very difficult or even impossible to give you a neuroconnected prosthesis, and you might have to settle for a non-connected prosthesis in that case. She readjusted the datapad away from Luke and began to pull up various files, judging from her quick, jabbing motions at the screen. There are other rarer complications that might arise, but those occur in such a low percentage of patients that they are considered fringe cases at best, and were usually already predicted to happen due to symptoms displayed before the operation. She sat back in her chair, tilting her head. Overall, she said, concluding her summary, there are, proportionally speaking, more risks associated with the neural-connected prosthesis, but in a sheer cost-benefit analysis, the benefits usually outweigh the risks by quite a large margin— the risks, too, have been mitigated with years of research and development. Generally speaking, it's as sound a medical option as any other surgery of similar nature. Luke chewed the inside of his cheek as he considered the information given to him. 
The risks did sound worrisome, but he agreed with Ty Lee that even just looking at it from his own perspective provided him no real reasons to turn down a neural-connected prosthesis in favor of a non-connected one that would barely allow him more than pincer motions, and wouldn't ever allow him to regain any kind of sensory feelings from his right hand again. The choice was easy, but... Luke. A low voice rumbled like thunder, and he looked up to see the towering black figure of Vader approaching his bedside once more causing nearly everyone else in the room to flinch away. He, however, leant into the man's touch when he rested a hand on his shoulder. Medic Pelly knows her field, Vader informed him quietly. There is scarcely anyone better versed in this aspect of medical intervention than her. You can trust her. He briefly smiled up at the man, hoping he would understand the unspoken gratitude for alleviating some of his worries. It wasn't that he didn't trust Tylee. It was just... He sighed. It was new. It was frightful. And it was something some part of him didn't really want to face yet. Even with all the understanding and kind aid he was being offered. But there was no running from this. And Vader. Vader seemed to understand that. Seems to understand Luke's shaken resolve and how he sometimes felt like he was just seconds away from another breakdown after feeling just fine moments before. And he had kept close to him, even while it was likely a boring task to do while Luke slept the hours away whenever he ran out of energy. He kept close and allowed Luke to lean on him, breathing in deeply in an attempt to stabilize some of his worst howling emotions. Luke looked back at Tylee who was giving him an understanding look. I know this must be coming too fast, too soon, Luke, she told him quietly, but it's best to do these kinds of procedures as soon as possible, to minimize later complications, so decisions of this nature unfortunately have to be made on an incredibly short notice. For what it's worth, I wish you had more time to process this before you had to decide on something as major as a surgery. Would you recommend this, then? He blurted out before he had even really registered the question forming in his mind. She blinked at him, and he used the opportunity to steamroll on before he lost his nerve. All my hang-ups and hesitations aside, what would you as a medic recommend I do? In all honesty and without mincing your words, would you recommend this? She closed her eyes for a moment and furrowed her brow in thought, but nodded resolutely only a moment later. Yes, she said as she opened her eyes again. I would. In all my time as a surgeon and specialist and amputations, I've seen time and again that, when possible and properly integrated, a neuro-connected prosthesis consistently gives my patients a higher quality of life and health than the other options. Even if it were just on long-term pain management, both physical and psychological, prostheses are even better than simply leaving a stump as is, with no surgical alterations beyond the initial healing period. She crossed her legs at her ankles and slightly straightened up, looking him in the eyes. If I had to recommend you take any medical decision in this, I would recommend this. Take the surgery. It will help you in the long term. And, well, that was about as clear of an endorsement as anyone could ask for. It made sense, too, really. He didn't doubt that Tylee knew what she was talking about, but it was just difficult to think clearly about this whole situation at the moment with everything still too fresh and too raw in every sense of the words. Still, time was apparently of the essence. Though with one option clearly being objectively superior than the rest, it thankfully wouldn't necessarily have to be a hard choice. But he just 
wanted a bit more information still before he made the decision. And if I do decide on the surgery, he hesitantly began, when would the surgery be done? As soon as possible, Tally answered promptly. Likely on the very same day or the next, depending on the time you make your decision. And if I decide it now? He prompted further. The medic closed her eyes for a moment as she visibly ran through all the variables. Then you will be scheduled first thing in the morning, by my estimate, she said slowly. It's too late in the day for such a surgery to seriously be considered by the shift I belong to, and the night shift doesn't have the necessary experience for me to trust them with this. First thing in the morning, she repeated. Likely somewhere around nine or ten hundred hours. I... He hesitated, his words shortening into a stammer. I, I'm sorry, I just, I just need a little more time. I don't... Medic Valent, Medic Pelly, Vader interrupted curtly. Grant us a few moments. I wish to speak to Luke alone. And while Luke felt some weight fall off of his shoulders as he registered Vader's attempts at giving him the space he needed, Tylee and Mira, as he'd been allowed to address Medic Valent, blanched at Vader's request. And even as they nodded shortly after and made a step out of the recovery ward, they kept shooting Luke worried looks, which he answered with a bright smile. Once the medics had seen themselves out of the room and he heard the lock click into place again, Vader rumbled out a gust of static and a sigh. Making his way to the other side of the bed, Luke watched with some mild amusement as the mountain of a man pulled out the chair Tylee had been using to a more reasonable distance for him, even as it looked to be far too small to properly fit him. Thank you, he whispered lowly once the man had taken a seat. I needed that. It is no trouble, Vader assured him, tilting his mask to the side. You seem to be having some difficulty ordering your thoughts. It wasn't a question. Luke sighed. Yeah, I just didn't know how to handle all of this. Didn't know how to respond to the entire situation. Earlier that day, he'd woken up and been informed that his hand had been lost in an explosion. And now, that very same day, even though it was hours later, he discovered Vader had once called Tatooine home as well, and was already discussing options to replace said hand. It was just all going so incredibly fast that he didn't even know how to put it into words. I think I understand, Vader rumbled softly and Luke thought that maybe he didn't need to. For what it is worth, little one, you are handling it incredibly well. I am prouder of you than I can properly say. And while Luke didn't quite know what to say to that, he smiled with enough warmth at Vader that he felt the man echo the warmth back, shot through with glistening threads of pride. And he knew that his message had been received. Though his smile saddened when he recalled his thoughts from earlier. I feel like I'm going to fall apart again at any minute, though, he confessed quietly. One moment I'm fine, the next I want to move my damn arm, when I feel like crying again. Which is perfectly understandable, Vader retorted easily. Little one, you went, and are still going through. An astonishingly horrific day. I would be more surprised and concerned if this was not affecting you in some way. You lost a limb. That is a heavy experience for anyone to bear. 
He had to know. Even you? Yes. Vader admitted quietly as he took Luke's hand in his own. A hand that Luke now knew was entirely composed of metal and yet so very gentle and soft with him. Even for me. Which was something he should have expected and yet something that was as surprising as it was reassuring. He nodded silently, lips pressed into a thin line, and for the umpteenth time that day, he felt tears prick in his eyes, the world blurring more and more by the moment. He clenched his one hand in his bedsheets and tried to blink the tears away, tried and failed. And before he knew it, water was tracking down his face, and his breathing was coming out in hitched breaths that were getting harder and harder to suppress. A soft noise hissed out of the vocoder. Understanding and a quiet comfort thick in the air as Vader brought a hand up to his face, the leather-covered thumb gently wiping away one of the tears as Luke's breath hitched again. Oh, little one, he muttered, wiping away the tear tracks on his other cheek. There is no shame in your grief. Not for what you have lost. He nodded as best he could without shaking off Vader's hand, even as he tried to keep a lid on it all. But the next thing he knew he had surged forward and collided with hard plastisteel and surprisingly soft armor weave, strong arms coming up around him to catch him and keep him close. The tears flowed freely now, and he couldn't have stopped them if his life depended on it. Breath hitching on every inhale, he felt small and scared. The world for a moment far too big and far too hostile for him to see how he could go on. And he knew, he knew, that later he would be able to see his path again. Later the whispers would soothe some of his worst fears and remind him of who he was and what he could do. Later he would be able to face the world again and roll with the punches as they came. Later. Later. But for now he was just a scared, injured boy. Too small in a world too big. For now he was just grateful to be kept safe and warm as he quietly cried out all his uncertainties and frustrations, all his overwhelming grief. While Vader held him close in a tight embrace, nothing but understanding and care humming through the air around them as something dark pressed up against his mind with a soothing touch and a croon of concern. Tears soaked into the armor weave beneath him, and a hand softly carted through his hair and held him close the soothing cycling of the respirator in his ear. He tried to match his own breathing to it, and bit by bit, breath by breath, his breathing pattern stabilized and calmed down, until he was breathing in time with the slow inhale and release of the apparatus. Catharsis thick in the air. He didn't want to let go just yet, and buried his face into the slightly damp cloth pressed against his cheek. There you are, Vader murmured. Are you feeling any better, little one? he asked, still running a soothing hand through Luke's hair, something he hoped the man wouldn't stop doing just yet. A little, he muttered. Are you ready to face the medics again? came the follow-up question. Calm and non-expectant. He made a negative noise, and Vader hummed an affirmation back, 
one arm carefully squeezing him a bit closer before releasing the tension again in a promise of continued comfort for a while longer. He allowed himself another couple of moments to sort through his thoughts, still breathing in time with the cycles of the respirator. Ultimately, he knew what he wanted from this whole ordeal. The neuro-connected prosthetic would allow him to continue doing the things he loved the most with minimal difficulty, according to both Tylee and Vader, something that he wanted more than anything. He was just scared. Scared of it all and going back into unconsciousness, knowing that once he woke up, his body would be different again. Scared that there would be complications and even more of him would disappear into thin air. He couldn't let that interfere forever, though. If he was honest with himself, he knew that he would likely never be entirely prepared to face it all in any decent time frame, let alone the time frame Tylee had given him for the ideal window of opportunity for the surgery. He would just have to accept that he was just going to have to leap before he looked, and trust that the others would spare him the fall. He could do that, right? Only one way to find out. Okay. He muttered into Vader's mantle, drawing back and wiping at the tacky tear tracks on his cheeks, Vader relaxing his grip as he pulled away. Okay, he repeated. I think... I think I'll be ready in a moment. I've... I've made my decision. A brave choice, Vader said with a dip of his head. When you are ready, then... Luke nodded and breathed in deeply a couple of times. In and out. In and out. He could do this. He may not be ready, but he could do this. Mind be still and heart be strong. All right, he said wiping away the last of the tears and smiling at Vader. Call him in. Let's get the show on the road. Vader rumbled out a laugh and nodded once in agreement. He stood up and made a sharp gesture towards the door, and as something shivered through the air, Luke heard the lock click and the door slide open with a hiss. He giggled behind a hand as he heard the startled noises come from outside the door and felt a pulse of amusement at his side from Vader as well. You can come in, he called towards the door, stifling another laugh when he heard footsteps reluctantly shuffle in. Tylee and Mira warily poked their heads around the corner and Luke beamed brightly at them, feeling lighter than he had in a while. He knew he probably looked like a mess and that there was no way his face had recovered from his crying bout just moments earlier, but he hardly cared when he felt a lot better than just a few moments ago. Thanks for the time, he told them with a smile. I feel a lot better now. Of course, kid, Mira told him. Anything else you need? No, I'm, I'm good now, Mira, he told her easily. And I made a decision. He turns to Tylee. I'm going through with the operation as, as soon as possible. Tylee raised an eyebrow but nodded swiftly. Are you ready then, Luke? No, he told her honestly. Mind be still and heart be strong. But I'm doing this anyway. If we wait for me to be ready, it might be months yet, and we don't have that kind of time. If she had any questions over that statement, she didn't voice them. 
and instead began tapping away at her data pad with a nod. I'll start making the arrangements, then. The surgery will take place at 935 hours, if we're all in agreement. No objections from me, Mira said easily, looking at Luke with a conspiratorial grin and ignoring the flat look from Tywee that made Luke snort. And none from me either, he agreed. And he thought that would be the end of it, but Vader chose that exact moment to speak up. One more thing, Medic Pelly, he rumbled lowly. If the surgery is to take place, will I be required to attend to keep Luke in a state of sedation? Or has your colleague finally worked out how not to fail at his one task? Tally and Mira grimaced, but Tally resolutely carried on. Seeing as Luke's physiology is far more familiar this time than our first emergency procedure, we'll be able to adjust the anesthetic doses to his heightened metabolism accordingly. Your presence won't be needed in the operating theater this time, Lord Vader. She answered with a respectful dip of her head. Heightened metabolism? Hold on, he said. What do you mean with heightened metabolism? He then turns to Vader before any answers could be given. And what do you mean with keeping me in a state of sedation? Just that, Luke. Tally answered as she tapped away at her data pad. During a first procedure, you displayed an unusual response to the anesthetics, with your body metabolizing them far quicker than is normal in any range of human physiology. We were quite baffled when you ate your way through an astonishing amount of the anesthetics before we were even able to get you into a bacter tank. Naturally, we were more than a bit surprised when later on we found you still unconscious, but with only trace amounts of the drugs left in your system. She looked pensively at whatever was on her screen and shook her head. According to Lord Vader, she continued with a wary glance in the man's direction, he was the one to keep you sedate from there on out, but as for how- The Force Medic Penny, Vader responded shortly, the irritation in his tone telling Luke that he'd repeated that answer more times than he wanted to already. Nothing more, nothing less. She visibly stilled, but nodded nonetheless. As you say, Lord Vader. She shook off her stillness quickly enough and continued, Anyway, with Lord Vader's help, we were able to complete your procedures without you waking up. This time, however, we should be able to rely fully on anesthetics, since we have a much better picture of how you react to them. Vader growled, and his irritation flared through the air, dancing in time with a deep, penetrating fear. Should is not an adequate answer as to whether or not you can keep a patient from waking up in the middle of a surgery, Medic Pelly, he ground out and Luke could hear the desperation underneath the growling of the vocoder. Can you or can you not manage without my aid? Tylee's nervousness surged out around her as soon as Vader began to speak, and it seemed that was the straw that broke the bantha's back, as her composure finally began to show its cracks. My lord, I... this really isn't my field. Vader! Luke interrupted the stammering medic calmly, drawing the irritated and fretting man's attention onto himself. Once the red lenses were looking at him, he gave the man a significant look and raised an eyebrow. She's the best in her field and knows what she's doing. I trust her. He echoed back at the man and grinned when a flash of embarrassment shot through the air. Please don't bite her head off just because she doesn't have immediate answers, he continued, smiling warmly at the man who was now radiating quiet blips of self-consciousness. She's doing her best. Something shrunk and flattened in embarrassment around Vader as the chastisement hit home, like a lothcat smoothing down its hackles as it realized it was making an awful lot of fuss over something minor, and Luke was gratified to see the man incline his head minutely in a nod. 
lapsing back into silence as he backed off of the medic. Luke would have laughed at the image of Vader hissing and spitting like a Lothcat if it weren't so very close to the man's actual behavior whenever he got worked up into a fretting fit. Instead, he nodded in gratitude with a gentle smile and turned back to Tylee. Please continue. Tylee, for her part, was staring gobsmacked at the two of them, her eyes jumping between them like she was watching an especially lively sparring match, which would have been funny if it weren't for the fact that when he glanced at Mira, she was in the exact same state, which was slightly concerning, and when the moment dragged on a bit too long for comfort, he hesitantly tried again. Uh, Tylee, Medic Pelly? That seemed to snap her out of it. Now she shook her head and turned back to him. Right, I... Right. She cleared her throat. As for the anesthetic conundrum, Ruthgar, who will be your anesthesiologist for this operation, has been analyzing the data we gathered from your first encounter with our anesthetics to come up with the ideal custom cocktail needed to keep you safely sedate. Seeing as this operation is relatively more routine and will proceed much quicker, there is little risk involved, and you can be assured we'll think quick on our feet if any situation does come up. Are those all your questions, Luke? Well, that was reassuring. Yes, they were, he agreed absentmindedly as he remembered something. Flashes of a dream he had thought nothing of when he woke up, but looking back... Vader, he asked softly before he could think any better of it. When I was out of it, asleep, I thought I saw or sensed some kind of darkness all around me, rumbling, keeping me safe. He chewed his lip as the images that weren't quite images so much as sensations and impressions came rolling back in. That darkness, was that you? Vader hummed out a thoughtful sound of static and tilted his head to the side. Most likely. You neared waking more than once, and your consciousness would have been able to pick up what was happening for as far as you could understand. There is a good chance that you sensed my presence around your mind while I kept you sedate and visualized it as best you could. Huh. He said as he processed that statement. So that thing, that entire enormous thing so big it seemed to make up the whole world, was Vader. Or what his mind could make of Vader. That's interesting, was all he could think to say. It hadn't even been human in the slightest. More like a haze. Or simply the backdrop of the world he was present in. Quite. Vader agreed. It is rare that a baseline sensitive manages to perceive the Force. He tilted his head as a ping of curiosity tapped against Luke's mind with a light inquisitiveness. Nonetheless, you are able to. It is quite extraordinary. Luke flushed to the roots of his hair, the two medics present hiding their smiles and laughter as he felt himself turn red as a hot iron. When he opened his mouth to protest, he was swiftly cut off by Vader's attention snapping over to the door, and with a sharp gesture, it hissed open. In, he commanded in a tone that brooked no nonsense. Distracted from his own mortification, Luke could begin to sense a kind of desperate determination in the person about to approach. A heavy tread round the corner, and suddenly a trooper in proper pseudo-armor was striding straight for them, pausing only when they caught sight of the group they were intruding on. Vader, however, had no such reservations. "'State your reason for interrupting this meeting, trooper,' he rumbled lowly. Irritation flaring back up into an agitated state, though Luke frowned as he found a kind of 
anticipation leaking through it. Anticipation, anger, and something he would almost describe as bloodlust? What in the name of the suns? Unaware of Luke's inner turmoil, the trooper clacked his heels together as he saluted. My lord, there's a new development in the investigation. One of the saboteurs has been found, and is currently being prepared for interrogation. It has already become known that he didn't act alone, and it was assumed that you would want to be informed of such a development. Wait, hold up. Saboteurs? The room went quiet, and Luke winced as he realized he'd said that out loud. The trooper faltered in his salute, and Luke could fully understand why when he felt Vader's ire slowly begin to awaken like a crate roused from its slumber, which meant it was probably time for him to distract the man before he could gain any steam and find some answers to boot. What saboteurs? he asked again this time deliberately turning to Vader and addressing the man directly. Vader froze like a statue for a moment, and then Luke saw him visibly reach a conclusion, the air around them humming with determination, even as his anger simmered in the background alongside a slew of other emotions. All of you, out, he ordered in a clipped tone that was dark, even for his doing. Now! The Menexon trooper asked no further questions and immediately fled out of the room, not even bothering to do so in any kind of orderly fashion. When the trooper had stumbled out last and the door had once more clicked into the lock behind them, Vader began to pace. Mantle flaring and billowing behind him as he paced the length of the ward, Luke watched in concern as Vader wound himself up higher and higher, a lethal kind of rage boiling under the man's surface demeanor. Well, too fucking bad. Luke needed answers, and he needed them now, damn it. If there was a saboteur aboard, it was his core that would have to deal with the fallout. Saboteur, he asked again, pointedly at his mentor still pacing back and forth with a heavy tread. What did the trooper mean by saboteur? Vader froze mid-step and Luke could feel a whole hurricane of apprehension and reluctance roar to life around the man until, eventually, it settled down into dread and resignation. Vader sighed and headed back over to the chair at Luke's bedside, now haphazardly shoved aside in the haste of the others to get out of the room as Vader had ordered. He pulled the seat up back into its original place and sunk down into it with a heavy grace, looking Vader once more eye to eye, something he made use of by staring the man down until he divulged something anything. What saboteur? He repeated one final time. Vader shifted in place and looked away in such a manner that Luke thought that for one moment he might still not get his answer when... The saboteur who caused the explosion in your lab, little one, Vader admitted quietly, heavily. And Luke's world ground to a halt for the umpteenth time that day. What? he asked, his voice barely more than a whispered breath. When the explosion happened, Vader began to explain with trepidation thick in the air, I ordered an investigation to take place, placing my trust in Captain Piet to do the task adequately enough while you and I received medical attention. I expected the captain to find traces of wear and tear, but that is not what he found, Vader finished wearily, voice thick with static as he sighed a second time, and Luke could already hear the words he both dreaded and wanted to hear. He instead found something different. 
sounds insane. The explosion was not an accident, little one. It was sabotage. Sons and fucking sand. Someone had done this to him. Sons fucking fire. He stared blankly at the bed sheets underneath him, crinkling as he clenched his one remaining hand in a fist. That thought running through him on a loop as it slowly began to sink into his mind and, like acid, bit into it. Someone had done this to him. Someone had sabotaged the printer. And now that he had that information, it was little wonder as to why he could recall feeling so incredibly uneasy before he'd switched it on. Someone had fucking sabotaged it, knowing what would happen to him. Someone aboard had done this to him, knowing full well the consequences, which meant that somewhere aboard, he now had an enemy. And there was one law of the desert. Both Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru had always been in agreement on that he got taught. You didn't let your enemies live. Not unless you wanted to allow them a chance to target you later on. Rivals, sure. They might not be pleasant, or even people you wanted around you in any way, but you could live with them, and maybe even sway them eventually. Some went for people you disliked, or who opposed you, unpleasant, and maybe even a hindrance, but not a direct threat to your survival or those you had under your wings. But enemies. You either ended them, or were ended by them. And Luke had always had a knack for dealing with any enemies he'd made. Someone on this ship had just made themselves his enemy. They would have to be dealt with just like all the others. He gritted his teeth as he slowly released the creased up sheets from his fist. Any idea as to what their identity is? He ground out his mind shifting into his runner mindset. There was an enemy to deal with. Emotions would come later. Mind be still and heart be strong. None so far, Vader responded promptly. Though apparently that could all change soon if Trooper Wick's information is accurate. Which means you're going to interrogate them yourself, right? He asked even as he already knew the answer and was going through the information he had stored over the last half year aboard the Lady. He knew that Vader was the chief interrogator aboard this ship, and likely wherever he went. He also knew that information was everything, no matter what situation you found yourself in, but when it came to rooting out spies and saboteurs, that necessity might as well be counted three times over. Interrogating whomever had been caught with simple logic, he sighed, though usually he had found himself on the other side of this argument. I will, Vader confirmed. This is not something I would leave to another, but... He trailed off, and Luke raised an eyebrow at the reluctance in his tone. But, he probed, curious as to what could have the man hesitating like this. But it would mean leaving your side for a while, Vader continued, reluctance clear. Possibly even until after the operation has already gone through under extreme circumstances. Luke stared for a moment, before chuckles began to make their way out of his mouth. Is that all? he asked while stifling his laughter. Oh, Vader. I could survive for a couple of moments without you, you know, 
he teased, smiling at the man. The fact that you are currently in the recovery ward speaks counter to that assessment, Vader retorted dryly. In fact, he continued, and Luke could swear those lenses were gleaming with something mischievous. I would dare say it serves as substantial evidence to support my own theory that you are best not left unsupervised for more than five minutes, lest you go and find trouble, little one. Luke squawked out an indignant sound and immediately grabbed the pillow from behind his back to whack the man with, a move that was handily warded off with a simple block, the pillow bouncing harmlessly off of the durasteel arm that wasn't even so much as jostled by the impact. Vader's shoulders shook as the vocoder rumbled out a deep, staticky laugh which did nothing to quell Luke's indignation. I am perfectly capable of looking after myself, he asserted as he jabbed a pointer finger at the man. As you say, little one, Vader managed to work out through his laughter. As you say. I do say, he sniffed out indignantly. I certainly am capable of being left unsupervised for at least the length of time it would take you to interrogate whomever they've managed to catch. The mood in the room abruptly dropped like a brick stone, and Vader's mirth bled out of the air like ink washed with water. As much as I wish to believe you, Luke, he muttered, there is still the simple fact that trouble could find you. He sighed a deep gust of static. And I would never forgive myself if you were harmed because I was not there when someone made another attempt on your life. Oh, so that was the issue. Well, Luke said slowly, mentally running through all the options that could appease a fussing Vader. You could always ask Cody and Apo and Kix and the rest if they'd be willing to stand guard for a few hours if you need someone here, he tried. They did a pretty good job of guarding me the last time. And while he normally would be offended by the insinuation that he couldn't take on anyone looking for trouble himself, fact remained that he was down one arm and one knife, so he wasn't too keen on his odds against anyone seriously trying to kill him. Vader's mask shot up from where it was looking off to the side, and Luke could swear that the man was blinking at him in bewilderment. Are you suggesting the use of bodyguards yourself? Luke, are you feeling well? Luke huffed out a small laugh and shook his head. Look, I'm still not particularly fond of the idea of people having to just sit around and babysit me all day, but even I can see that it's a good idea to have some backup right about now. I don't yet know how to fight like this. I'm unarmed in more than one way, and frankly speaking, I'm about as far from fighting fit as a kitten right now. He summed up as he counted up his points on his fingers, analyzing the situation as objectively as he could. I know I'm stubborn about a lot of things, he admitted honestly and with a sheepish smile, but right now someone just tried to kill me. And I think both you and I would feel a lot better if someone was watching my back. And apparently the fact that he could change his opinion on things depending on the situation was something Vader hadn't expected from him, seeing as the man just stared in silence at him for a moment long enough that it was almost insulting. I do have some perspective on the situation, you know, he added on, feeling a bit crabby at the stunned silence he was being treated to. Damn it, he hadn't kept himself alive as a runner by just blindly believing he could handle anything thrown his way on his own without any help. Vader seemed to snap out of his stupor and shook his head. I am certain that you do, little one. I was simply surprised by the maturity of your decision. Suppressing the urge to try and cross his arms so he wouldn't send himself into another crying fit, Luke looked off to the side. Yeah, well, he muttered under his breath. As a runner, you need to know where your limits are. 
saying I would be able to win a fight right now would be kind of counter to that, don't you think? And I don't exactly think I can pull off an escape properly like this either. Know your limits indeed, Vader muttered, sounding both far away and a little odd. Whatever had kept the man spellbound wore off with a snap, though, and Luke felt his full attention return to him. Very well, then, he agreed. I will call upon your former security detail and see if they are willing to reprise their role for a little while, and I apologize for underestimating you, little one, he added, his tone a touch contrite. Luke shrugged his shoulders as he smiled at the man. Apology accepted. I'm good at getting underestimated anyway. It's useful. Vader inclined his head towards Luke in agreement while accessing his own calm. With a few taps and short orders, the request for guards was placed, and even as Luke was still somewhat reluctant to have all these people just standing around guarding him, he also felt some excitement well up at getting to see all of them again. There, Vader said as he tapped off the calm. It is done. We will know soon enough who will be making an appearance. He shifted in his chair, and Luke tilted his head in curiosity as he felt Vader's own curiosity patter against him like rain on his skin. Curiosity and something more. Something that whispered of sand and sun as the world took on a muffled quality again. Only Vader's voice standing out sharply. You were a runner, was the question eventually asked. Ah, right, he had admitted to that. Yeah, he said with a small smile. I was. Right up until you picked me up from Tatooine. My last run was actually only a week before that. Six more siblings ferried to safety. Six more souls freed. It had been a good run. Interest sparked all around them like stars, and Vader shifted forward in his chair. I would not have guessed it, he admitted quietly, and then a huff of static. Though I suppose that is rather the point. Luke laughed as he nodded. Pretty much, yeah. I was the main flight runner for the Junlin Wastes and sometimes surrounding areas. If people had a difficult flight or a mission to run, they came to me. He scratched his neck sheepishly as he recalled some of the rumors spread about him through the paths. Though it was often just luck and reflexes that saved the day in the end, he admitted. Our reputation like that is not garnered easily, little one. Especially not when it concerns a true flight runner instead of a runner who prefers to run the paths alone, Vader countered. And it was in that moment that Luke could truly see the child the man must once have been. If you were the main flight runner in the area, you must have had quite a high success rate. And Luke could hear the question hiding in that statement. What was his success rate? Nine, he answered softly, the memories rolling back to the forefront of his mind in a thick, steady flow. In all my flights, I lost nine siblings total. Kick and Clear Sky, Mount Cash Red Rider, Ertok Cliff Strider, Siamala Stargazer, Rurkesh Mooncatcher, Winnie Nightwatcher, Sheikah Thunder Roar. Luke and Shade Dancer. Here Max Sunriser. He remembered them all. Every last one that didn't make it.
Nine. Peter breathed out. Out of how many flights? Luke closed his eyes as he tried to count them all. He'd been running since he was fourteen, and had nearly always made room for two flights a month, either his own or those he had been brought in for by others. More if he could fit them. All of that added up to... Over... Over a hundred, I think, he said quietly. The number not feeling quite real to him, even as he knew that the math checked out. A hundred and a couple more howling storm. Then it seems, Vader murmured quietly, that I brought a local hero aboard that day. Luke flushed until he thought his cheeks had to be visibly streaming from all the heat. He was no hero, just a runner. Perhaps a good one, but still just a runner. Running flights was his job, which is what he told Vader. It was just my job, he muttered as he plunked the bedsheets. I think I was pretty good at it, but I was still just a runner doing my job. A job that means voluntarily saving siblings, little one, Vader reminded him gently, and putting your own life at risk to do so. If that is not the definition of heroic, I am afraid I know nothing else that would fit the description. You could probably have fried an egg on his face at that point. And he shrugged his shoulders as he studiously kept his gaze locked on the bedsheets, plucking at the fabric. I guess so, he mumbled. A gloved hand reached out for him and gently tilted his chin up until he was looking at Vader again, the hand falling away and covering his fidgeting hands to softly brush a thumb over the back of them. I know so, he said with a certainty that left Luke feeling both embarrassed and proud at being seen like that, warmth bubbling up inside his chest. He nodded silently, and could have perhaps even scraped up the courage to say something again, but he was saved from having to attempt to do so when Vader's calm chimed. Leaving Luke's hands to their fidgeting as he answered the same calm message, Luke felt the air trill with both relief and reluctance. It seems, he rumbled lowly, that your security detail is more than willing to stand guard over you once more. It will take some time for all to arrive from where they are stationed on the lady, but until then Kix has proven himself willing to take the task upon himself of guarding the door and vetting any potential visitors. He is outside the door at the moment. Then, Luke said hesitantly, I guess this is goodbye for now? For now, Vader agreed just as reluctantly. However, you have my word on it that I will return as soon as possible, little one. Luke laughed a quiet laugh. Not too soon, I hope. Don't cut any corners just because you think I might be lonely. He teased, smiling fondly at the man. Vader drew his shoulders back and angled his head high, the very picture of someone who had just had their pride insulted. I will have you know that I am diligent in my tasks, regardless of what is at stake, he huffed out, attempting for Stern, but the amusement in the air betraying his mock indignation, Luke only smiling wider at his attempt until Vader caved with his own rumble of static as he rose out of the chair with lithe grace. But very well, I will heed your words, little star. Good, 
Luke retorted, his demeanor sobering up rapidly. I want answers out of this all, he stated slowly. Answers as to why. And I want them to answer for this as well. That, little one, the man said as he inclined his head deeply, can be arranged. Thank you, he offered. And then with a smile, and stay safe. Vader stilled, but nodded. I will. And with that, he strode over towards the door, and with a click and hiss, Vader's presence began to fade away as he made his way to the brig to get answers for them both. Luke sighed and placed his pillow behind him again, leaning back into it, energy exhausted. Medic Valent and Medic Pally entered the room again to talk to him a bit more, a fully suited kick standing guard over him the entire time, but there was little left to be discussed about the surgery, and he didn't have much energy to continue the banter. With a smile and a goodbye, the medics left to perform their own duties, Kix once more taking up guard outside the door until his Vode arrived to help him out. Left alone in the recovery ward for the first time since he woke up, and for perhaps the first time since he was admitted to it, Luke sank back into the bed and closed his eyes, attempting to make sense of all the impressions of the last few hours. A lost hand, a former child, a surgery. It was all a lot to keep track of, and according to Vader it had all been in the same day. Even sleeping away several hours, he had apparently not slept enough to have the clock tick over into the next day, which was a lot. He sighed. At this point, he didn't even want to think about his hand, unwilling to have another breakdown, this time with no one there to catch him when his emotions spilled over and he began to fall into despair. So instead, he focused on the wealth of information he had learned about Vader. The man had been a child. That thought still ran around his head in a loop, even as it had faded to the background while other things took its place. Now, though, now there was nothing stopping him from examining all that he had managed to get out of the man under a closer look. He had been a child, even if he now chose to invoke his right to secrecy. He had been a child, and all that Luke had thought impossible about the plant, about his secrets, about Vader's secrets, had come true. Vader had declared Luke his home, and when Luke had reciprocated, the man had known and understood the impact of those words like the bone-deep truth they were for Luke, his mind filled with song and moonlight and the warm winds of the rainy season. They were each other's home, and he had never expected to be able to say that. He still didn't know where they stood beyond that, and they would likely have to have a talk sometime soon on what those words had meant for the both of them but they were home. They would have the time to figure it out. Just like Luke would have the time to figure out what was going on with Vader. Frowning, he tried to recall the feelings he had sensed when Vader had spoken of his past. There had been an old, deeply etched grief and sadness as he spoke of his family, now passed on to rest among the moons. His mother, who hadn't been able to take her flight alongside her son, he hoped that she had at least found her flight at a later time, or taken solace in the fact that her son had ran the paths and found his freedom at the end of it. Or so he said. 
for all that Vader said that he was free. He still spoke of a master who had authority over him, and even as he no longer claimed the name of child, he still knew what a master was. And every time he had said he was free, there had been that malice in the air again, grating against the back of his mind like sandpaper. That malice that he remembered from his time at the palace, and that he had hoped he'd left there too, but he hadn't. And every time Vader said he was free, it was there, looming, waiting, hungry. And Vader's statements rung with the hollowness of someone who only barely believed their own lies. They rung with the hollowness of a desolate slave. Luke shifted against the plush pillow as he thought through his options there. His mentor and home needed someone to help him truly run the flight paths to their full length and freedom this time. That much was clear. But there was nothing he could do unless Vader himself was ready to recognize that. A runner couldn't take an unwilling slave to freedom, after all. There had to be cooperation there and a shared goal. And as much as he wished that it wasn't so, he was more than familiar with the mindsets that some slaves could sink into that prevented them from ever seeking freedom to begin with. Chain-blind, they called the siblings suffering from it. When a slave had either been tricked into believing they were free, or had simply been denied freedom for so long that they fooled themselves into believing that they no longer cared whether they were free or not, even believing that they didn't deserve it. More than any chip or collar, chain blindness was the true bane of any flight and runner, a mindset so insidious and corrupt that it robbed siblings of their most precious gift of the desert, a free mind. It bound them, shackled them, and it dragged them down into the deepest pits of despair and denial, and it killed them, either because of sickness, old age, or their master finally showing their full potential for cruelty. Chain blindness always, always killed its victims in the end, unless overcome, having never tasted freedom again, other than to consistently be there for his mentor and be ready when the man finally found his own desire for freedom once more. He had no idea how he would run a flight for Darth Vader, second in command of the Empire and apparently chain-blind. But he'd damn well find a way. He'd been a runner not so long ago. And for his home? For his home he'd be so again, no question about it. He made a frustrated sound and plonked his head back against the pillow. He hated this aspect of the flights whenever it reared its ugly head, but there was little other choice than to go through with it at the pace Vader set. Any attempt to speed things up would likely just end up alienating the man. Opening his eyes and glaring at the tiled, nondescript metal ceiling above him, he thought that at least the time spent waiting for Vader to find himself ready for a flight would give Luke the time necessary to start thinking up plans to pry Vader out of the Empire's bony grasp. He knew he hadn't liked the Master then, and he certainly didn't like him now. He wished he could declare the man an enemy but the fact of the matter was that Luke wasn't even in the same league as the man, let alone on the Emperor's radar as a threat. To presume that he would be able to uphold the oldest law of the desert by declaring the man an enemy would be the height of arrogance when so many had likely failed before him. That might change if, when, Luke could manage to get Vader out from under his heel, but he knew the mentality of the Masters. Even when actively fighting them, they rarely considered you more than an annoyance right up until you killed them, which worked fine for Luke. The less the Emperor suspected, the better. 
and he was going to free his mentor and home, so it hardly mattered either way. Still, he wished he could declare the Emperor an enemy. It would have been one hell of a thing to tell Biggs once they met up again, if nothing else. Well, with a bit of luck, he would be able to say he had run Vader's flight to freedom, which was just as good, if not even better. If only he could figure out how to do it. Idly dreaming up plans to get the Emperor off their trail once they were ready to break free, each plan more fantastical and unrealistic than the last, Luke almost missed the clanking in the vents until the sound was right upon him. Cracking one eye open at the rattling and thumping that sounded like it was coming from a vent beside and a little ways below him, Luke frowned as he tried to think of what it could be. It wasn't a shuffling or scraping sound, so he doubted it was anything or anyone large rattling around in the vents. But the whirring and thumping was certainly odd. The closer it came, the more he could hear another tone underneath the rattling and whirring, and with the next particularly loud thump, he could finally make out the bleeping and twittering underneath the noise. Binary? Were there droids in the vents? Opening both his eyes now and propping himself up to see where the sound came from properly, Luke was just in time to hear an almighty clatter and alarmed shriek of binary as something rapidly tumbled down a long stretch of what he presumed was a ventilation shaft that ended with a hard bang against the grating next to his bed and some groggy bleeps that were beginning to sound all too familiar. When a high-pitched whirring came to life inside the grate that sounded all too much like the high-powered screwdriver drill combo he liked to fit his mods with, he knew it for certain. By the time the grating clattered to the floor and a triumphant mouse droid with a distinctive white paint job came spinning out of the vent in a little victory lap, he was already grinning and giggling at the spectacle. Mission status, success, she bleeped. Mission status, success. He stifled his laughter as the little droid spun around in gleeful circles, triumphantly beeping the whole way. Hey, Emmy, he greeted fondly. How'd you find your way here? Rat mapping. Ventilation shafts, she beeped back smugly. Search and locate protocol. Head engineer Lars. File merger status complete. Shaking his head at the little droid's antics, he couldn't suppress a chuckle as Emmy happily rolled back and forth, occasionally adding a little spin to her route. Fair enough, he agreed. But that doesn't explain how you were able to get into the vents in the first place. Who helped you out? He asked, curiosity welling up in him. ID code. Vice Engineer Third Rank Gearbox, she told him while rolling back and forth, before apparently deciding that spinning donuts would express her glee better. Assessment. Amused but helpful. Of course it was Gearbox. The old clone mechanic had a love for the little droids that was almost unique among the Vodé. An old war trauma, Vader had once told him. Nothing that was meant personally to the droids themselves or Luke. Well then, he said with a grin as Emmy kept spinning donuts on the floor, don't forget to thank him the next time you see him, okay? Emmy stopped her gleeful spinning for a moment to bleep her affirmative. Order registered and noted. He let his hand hang over the side of the bed, and Emmy did a little wiggle shake before bumping into it at full force, and the grin as she wiggled under his hand, letting it rest atop her chassis. And a girl, he praised fondly. So what did you come here for that was important enough to enlist Gearbox's help? She trilled before stilling under his hand. Statement. Tracker IFF70903 attached to ID code. Head Engineer Lars has gone unresponsive. General Order Number 313. Head Engineer Lars must have either a tracker or a communications unit at all times. Assessment. Deliver backup tracker and communications unit. Mission status. Pending. She bleeped out in rapid-fire binary. Right, his tracker and comm must have gotten destroyed in the, in, in the explosion. He absentmindedly patted Emmy's chassis while thinking on that. Good thinking, Emmy. 
He praised the little mouse droid until... Wait, he said, his eyes snapping over to the nonsensically chirping droid. How did you find me if my tracker got destroyed? Emmy beeped smugly and rolled back and forth as far as she could without shaking off Luke's hand. Statement. ID code MD-03 witnessed head engineer lies being transported and admitted to maintenance. Information was uploaded to the General Maintenance Network. A query was issued as to a further status update, to which MD-03 could not comply. Unit EM-33 was pinged to explore instead. I complied. MD-03, one of the med droids and as sweet a droid as Luke had ever met. And apparently the GMN was up to date on his situation, too, if MD-03 had reported his own status. And then they had decided to send Emmy to him to check up on him when organic surgeons had taken over his care. He smiled warmly at the little droid. Well, you can tell them that I'm all fine now, Emmy. He cut himself off when Emmy abruptly blared out a sound much like a mist horn. False data input, she blared, rolling out from under his hand only to turn around and repeatedly bump into it. False data input. Statement. My sensors indicate missing components to Head Engineer Lies. Statement. Head Engineer Lies is currently in the organics maintenance shop. Assessment. Head Engineer Lies is not operational. She bleeped while still repeatedly attempting to ram his hand, and Luke blinked owlishly at the little droid who, for all intents and purposes, was scolding him. He hastily retracted his hand up to the bed before Emmy could attempt to ram it one last time, and the mouse droid overshot her speed enough to disappear under his bed with a yowl and a thunk that shook his bed frame. Irritated twittering sounded out from under his bed, and when she came back rolling out, Luke noted another small dent to been added to her chassis. He sighed as he shook his head at Emmy's antics. You gotta be more careful than that, Emmy, he chided gently. I won't be able to fix you if you manage to damage yourself until I'm cleared to work again, or at the very least until my uh, maintenance has been finished. If droids could glare, he swore Emmy would be giving it her best attempt at the moment. Statement, she bleeped flatly. Observed hypocrisy. Well now. He sighed and flopped down on his bed, pillowing his head on his arm as he looked at the irritable little droid. I may not be operational at the moment, he admitted, but I am fine. I'm scheduled for maintenance the next morning, and they'll be constructing replacement components for me soon. Really, Emmy, he insisted as she beeped doubtfully at him. I am fine, or as fine as I can be at the moment anyway. You can tell the GMN that. Order status, pending, she bleeped testily. Query. Has permanent damage been acquired? Oof. He tilted his head from side to side before deciding to be rather safe than sorry. Define permanent damage? He tried hesitantly. Emmy blared another sound at him that he couldn't define, apparently seeing right through his transparent attempt at avoiding the question. Statement. Damage that cannot be repaired or negated in any manner, and has permanent adverse side effects. She responded tersely. Humming softly into his arm, Luke turned those words over in his mind. Truth was, with those definitions, he didn't know if his hand qualified. The replacement prosthetic wouldn't ever be as good as his real hand, true, but it would help immeasurably. He sighed. I don't know, Emmy, he answered truthfully, and then, to forestall another blare, he continued quickly. They will give me new components, very good ones at that, too, but they won't be organic, he told her quietly. So the damage can and will be repaired and negated as best it can, but the repairs have to be done in an entirely different medium than the chassis' original material. That seemed to give Emmy food for thought, and she whirred quietly while processing Luke's statement. At last, she seems to have gained some kind of grip on the situation, and she chirped softly.
Query. Our proper components for head engineer lies no longer manufactured by the producer. He huffed out a soft laugh. No, no, they're not, Emmy. Query. Are there no defective models from which components could be salvaged? It doesn't work that way, he responded quickly, trying to get the image out of his head of Emmy trying to find a hand for him from a defective model. He really didn't want the coroners of the lady to get on his case, too. I was a prototype, he tried to explain. The only one of my series manufactured. The same goes for most organics, in fact. Emmy twittered out an uncomplimentary string of binary that made Luke wonder who had taught her that, and slowly rolled back over to him, shoving herself back under his hand where he dropped it down the side of his bed again. Statement. She beeped quietly. Organics are complicated and inefficient. He chuckled as he patted her chassis. On that we can agree, Em, he muttered quietly. On that we can agree. Emmy whirred softly for a bit before she sent out a little pang to draw his attention. Uptake compiled for the General Maintenance Network. Head Engineer lies sustained damage and is scheduled for maintenance. Original components are no longer manufactured and cannot be salvaged. Replacement components will be adequate, but substandard. Head Engineer lies will be operational again once maintenance is complete. He let his hand rest on top of her chassis and grinned at her. Sounds good, Emmy, he agreed. Send it out. Order status received. She beeped back at him. Pending. Pending. Complete. Order status complete. She crowed while wriggling underneath his hand. He laughed softly at her antics. Good job, Em, he praised, proud of the little droid and how far she had come. Anything else left to do? Mission statement. Deliver tracker and communications unit to head engineer lies, she responded promptly, the cover over her carrier rack flipping open with a click and displaying the contents of both a new tracker and com of his own design inside. Mission status pending. That elicited a bark of laughter out of him, and he rolled flat on his back while Emmy beeped smugly at him. I'll am, he sighed as he chuckled. Fine, 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 fine. Update mission status to success, Emmy, you did your job, he said as he rolled back over to snag both the tracker and com. Very well, in fact. Emmy trilled happily at the praise and spun a few gleeful circles once he had clipped the tracker to his person once more. Mission status, success, she chirped happily. Mission status, success. Laughing quietly at the little droid's antics, he began to power up the comm, running through the process of setting it up for his own communications and logging into his account. It was a bit awkward doing it all with only one hand, and there was this weird code blockage that was trying to prevent him from sending messages, but it was far from impossible. And by the time Emmy had calmed down again, the installment was complete, and he had begun sorting through his backlog of messages and reports, sinking back into his pillow as it fluffed up all around him. Letting his calm fall flat on his covers, he grinned down at the little droid. You done, Emmy? he teased, giggling when she blared back at him. Celebration protocol disengaged, she informed him primly, before going on the quiet. Query, she eventually said. Are there new missions? Afraid not he responded with an apologetic grin. If you want to, you can go back on your regular routine. Negative. Emmy dismissed. Daily routine has been absorbed by the general maintenance network for the current cycle. I have no tasks to complete. Oh, well, he hesitated as he racked his brain for an answer. You could always stay here and continue to give updates to the GMN? Keep me company for a bit? He tried hopefully. Emmy was a nice company to have when he just wanted to exist in the same space with someone else and do his own thing for a bit. Emmy beeped and booped for a bit. 
but eventually twittered out a string of happy little bleeps. Mission acquired, she agreed happily. Mission statement. Keep at Engineer Lars Company and send updates of his status to the General Maintenance Network. Mission status pending. With that, she rolled forwards and under his bed, bleeping contentedly as she settled in. When he leaned over the edge of the bed to check on her, she pointedly bonked into his forehead with a mischievous beep. Laughing at his little friend, he plopped back down against his pillow and continued to sort through his messages in silent company, Emmy only occasionally beeping as she made a new update or notifying him of the other GMN members checking in on his status. When he had nearly entirely combed through his messages of the last couple of days and sent a too-many-times-redrafted message to his aunt and uncle informing them of his situation, of what had transpired, and how he found a new home, he found one from a familiar but new com code. Opening the message, he grinned as he saw what was displayed. Hey Luke, Leia here. We've arrived safely back on Alderaan, but things have been wild after your stunt back in the Senate. Thank you for that, by the way. You have no idea how cathartic it is to see a bunch of stodgy old men work themselves up into a huff about someone else's white outfit for once, even if it is making the Empire more lethal. How have you been? Has Lord Vader driven you mad just yet? Or one of the other officers, perhaps? I'd say that you can't possibly be having a more hectic time of it than I am, but I don't know. I think you might, might be able to beat me there. Let me know. Princess Leia Organa of Alderaan. Staring wide-eyed at the message and resisting the urge to glance at where he was still missing one hand, Luke slowly felt an incredulous grin spread over his face as he realized the opportunity here. Sure, he had lost his hand. Sure, he'd probably acquired more trauma from that than you could shake a stick at, and he wouldn't be okay for a long time to come, but this... he could have this. Chewing his lip as he weighed the pros and cons of going through with his plan, he eventually decided to throw caution out the door and grant himself just this one thing. Grinning an unholy grin that he knew would have Biggs backing away slowly while making warning signs, he began to draft his response. Hey, Leia. Yeah, about all that. You're never going to believe the week I've had so far. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Donkadai, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.